Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Jacob Albrock, Tommy Kester. This is Sports Daily on Wichita's number one sports radio, 97.5 and 1240 KFH. All right, welcome in, everybody. It is a Wednesday here on Sports Daily. Glad to be here with you today. Jacob Albrock here alongside Tommy Castor, Jad Chambers producing. Uh, what a show we have in store for you. It is a Wednesday in college basketball season. You know, it's, we, we are into the postseason of the NFL. These coaching carousels are interesting. Uh, a big-time firing yesterday that, boy, uh, shakes things up, I think, that we'll get into their K-State hoops in action last night. Another big win for the Cats. We'll dig into that a little bit as we get ready for well, another big night of college basketball. It is that we got snow on the ground outside, and it just sort of feels now like it's college basketball season. Tommy, good morning. How are you? Man, I'm good. Uh, watching some of that college basketball last night, I'm with you. It feels like college basketball season. Um, you know, Iowa State and their fans, you know, really gave it to Houston last night. West Virginia, I know that the Wildcats won the game, but their fans are always into it. It's definitely that time of year we're in conference play, and the weather feels like it too, and I'm all in for it. Let's go. And then we get Kansas tonight on the road for their first road Big 12 action at UCF. The Big 12 yesterday was absolutely as insane as we expect it to be all year. Texas goes on the road and beats Cincinnati. Cincinnati had been white hot. Baylor takes care of business. It was close, though, against BYU. Tech uh, does what it needs to do. But it is going to be just unreal this year. Like, TCU hosts Oklahoma. I mean, are you kidding me? That's a fantastic game. It's awesome. I can't I, – I mean, I, I just can't wait for it. I really can't. It's going to be so good. Uh, Tommy, we're sitting here. Uh, in in our family, trying to figure out orthodontics for the first time. Uh, so good luck with that. Know. Yeah, it's uh, 
you know, I, you, you, it's like you either get a, a new car or you get braces. You know, it's really, uh, it's a really exciting time as, you know, <laughs> right before the air. My wife's like, well, do we have insurance for that? And I'm like, I don't know if we have insurance for that. Let me try to figure that out. And it's like, oh, you pay all this, but then you don't actually have it for that. And you got to add more to that to pay for that. And I'm like, well, we got to figure out, you know, like you got to do the math here. Like if we start paying for this, like, is it going to be worth it? And uh, it's just like. Man, it's just wonderful. Uh, I'm the only person in my family who actually got braces, so I can't say a lot. And it wasn't until I was 18 years old. So no, none of us have braces. Like, we've all got, you know, pretty – not messed up teeth. Like, our teeth are fine, but not, you know, TV teeth. And so, like, I was 18 years old and, you know, kind of a slacker at that point. And I was like, I don't know what I want to do. Maybe, And then I decided, like, I was like, I know what I want to do. I want to go, you know – be a sportscaster of some kind. Uh, and my mom's like, uh, not with that grill you're not. And so like, so that was basically the deciding factor. I'm glad she was honest factor. with you, right? I As know. I, to like, me too. Oh, honey, you'll do fine. And then like didn't yep. do anything to help you out. I'm glad she was brutally honest about that. Yeah, it's it's me too. Like now, it was I was like, "Mom, you you're going to send me to college in braces. Like that this is not going to go well uh, for me." So it was like I, my buddy's dad was an orthodontist, and I was like, let's have an honest conversation. I was like, how fast can you get this done? And he's like, well, pretty fast, but it's going to hurt. And I'm like, let's go. Like, let's get it done. And he did, and it was pretty substantial work. So now we've got our sweet daughter, and it's like, let's go to phase one and, and then phase two. And I'm like, and I hate being the jerk in the office. Like, my wife calls me, and I'm like, okay, so how much is that going to cost? Like, great. They're trying to explain to me what they're going to do. I'm like, yeah, fine. I don't care. How much is that going to cost? Uh, and then, so then how much is that going to cost? So it'll cost me how much now? And then how much are you planning on it costing later? Well, we don't know. I'm like, well, let's take a, take a stab, like take a shot in the dark. You do these every day. Like how much do you think, you know, and I hate being that guy, but like you turn into these old people where it's like, just like tunnel vision. Like you can stop talking and only tell me how much that's going to cost. And that needs to be the extent of my involvement in this conversation. If you want to talk somebody into like all the different things you need to do, talk to my wife. You'll be able to talk her into it. I need to know how much this is going to cost. And really that's probably all I need to know. The best thing about it too, for you is you've got two other kids after your oldest, uh, Yeah, you know, yep, so you get yep, to do yep. this once, but then you might get to do it a couple more times after that. I've thought about these things this morning, um, and and that's a part of the the evaluation process. And I I look, I love that we have the ability to do this. Like it's I I love that, but man, it's one of those real kick in the pants that you hear about from other parents. You're like, oh yeah, just wait till braces. And you know, like, maybe yeah, okay. maybe now's the time to have that conversation with your daughter that your mom had with you. Like, what do you want to do? Are you gonna need to use your teeth? Do you want to be on television? Yeah, are you gonna Are you gonna be a scientist? Or because you, then you can yeah, just you don't need to have perfect teeth if you're gonna be a no, scientist. No, no, everybody has to have perfect teeth in this country. It's one of those things that we get made fun of for, and that's fine. It great again, it makes us smile. I'm happy for it. It's just uh, a little salty this morning uh, as we as we go through these things. So uh, bear with me, everybody, and you know, to all our orthodontist friends listening, we appreciate the work that you do. But man, it's a it's a it's a bucket of cold water on the head i'll we'll just we'll just say that all right uh so kate let, let's start because this mike vrabel news i think is substantial but let's start with k-state last night it, it they play the game 
They go on the road. You know, I listened, honestly, to more of the game than I watched. Uh, driving around, we had our first, second, third grade girls basketball practice, of which I've taken over the coaching duties, which will be uh, probably plenty of stories for another day. Um, is it bad, but real quick, is it bad that I that I started practice off and I was like, girls, we get five fouls. I want you using at least three of them in every game. Like, that's how we started practice. Like, if they're not going to call it, we're gonna we're gonna be very aggressive, and if they do, uh, your coaches will let you know when you need to stop. But you get five. Let's use three. Wow. I, they they're scared to foul right now. Uh, and, and it's like no, no, that's you get them for a reason. Like let's let's try really hard and let's be aggressive. I, I mean, I'm trying to have like grown up basketball conversations with you know nine year old girls, and I'm like, girls, if they don't call it then you really get to be aggressive. Like, if they're not going to call it, we're going to foul even more. And so I don't know. Like, I don't know if this is the right strategy, uh, but we'll, we'll find out, I guess. Pretty soon you're going to have your, your team throwing haymakers out there on the court. <laughs> you're going to be Bobby Knight. You're going to be throwing chairs across the court. You're going to get teed up. I will not yell at a referee. I, I refuse to do that. These people are out there uh, taking their time, and I appreciate it so great. I would never do that, even if I was frustrated. Uh, but I do as a – I'm the dad who has to stand off by himself because, like, I, I want to, like, yell and in a good way, like a positive, like, yell yeah. at the girl, do this, do this. So I, I, I just go, like, to myself. So – I but I'm not yelling at the official. I'm just yelling for everybody to be aggressive and try hard, and it's, like, flashing back to, to my dad and brothers being at my games and the things that they're yelling at me. It's all the same. Like, it's all the same thing. It's fun. Uh, so we had that. So I listened to the game to and from practice. White Thompson on the call here, of course, on KFH, home of Wildcat Athletics. And the the vibe I got, number one, I did not realize uh, that Creesa played for West Virginia now. Didn't know that happened. So there you go, transfer portal. Didn't realize he was no longer at Arizona. I, I didn't even know he was still playing college basketball. So I really didn't know he was at West Virginia. So I'm listening to the game, and I got the theme that West Virginia is just keeping themselves in it by basically being hot from the three-point line in the first half. So as I'm listening to that, I'm like, they're not going to sustain that. This will be fine for K-State. K-State will be able to maintain, and K-State's going to end up fine here. We are beginning to see, you know, I I think K-State establish itself. Now, the way it established itself, I think, is still confusing to us. But from what I gathered in listening to that game, even though K-State trailed at half, it felt like K-State was controlling that game, to me, listening to it. And then, of course, in the second half, uh, they continue to do their thing. West Virginia doesn't shoot nearly as well, and you end up with a 14-point win. But going to West Virginia and winning is hard. We know it's hard, no matter what West Virginia's record is. And all of a sudden, K-State, who we had a lot of questions about, Tommy, is really settling in. I think this has been... In a different way, equally as impressive as what we saw to this point last year from the Cats, because I think what we do know is last year the Cats were more talented than they are this year. I mean, you got two NBA guys. Proof's in the pudding, right? This year they're not that, yet they're still doing this. Like, I've been really impressed with this coaching staff, I think, this year. They're finding ways to win, but now we're starting to see them also play well and, and you know, do their thing a little bit, and they're kind of— you know, you got a, what is it, a 25-point win and a 14-point win on the road in the Big 12 to open things up? Watch the Big 12. That eye, That's a little eye-opening. 
Yeah, I mean, I think the one thing you have to keep in mind with the Wildcats is that, it, you know, it's still far from perfect, and, and it's never going to get to the point to where you feel like this is an extremely well-oiled machine. In a lot of cases and in games that even they played in the non-con, they're winning despite their deficiencies. Last night, one of their major deficiencies was Tyler Perry. Tyler Perry is still not shooting the ball well at all. One of eight from the field for six points total. You know, he got to the line a couple of times, but, you know, he really has been a non-factor. He was a non-factor in the game last night. He hasn't shot the ball well, you know, at all in the last, I don't know, four to five weeks. It's been a while since we've seen Tyler Perry actually shooting the ball well. But they are making up for it in other ways. Cam Carter with 23 points, perfect from the line. He shot it well from the field, didn't shoot it well from three, but that's where Arthur Kaluma came in. He was four of six shooting the three last night. So, you know, they're finding other players to pick up the slack a little bit. When one guy is not getting it done in one area, they're leaning on somebody else. You know, and that's really where it's working for the Wildcats. They were fairly balanced in their starting five outside of Tyler Perry. But I think one major concern is that they don't have a lot of bench production. I mean, only six points coming yeah, off like the none. bench last night. You know, they, they just don't have really a lot of people that you can rely on and lean on coming off the bench. And, you know, it's one thing when you're playing UCF in West Virginia. It's going to be another thing entirely when you're playing the top tier of the Big 12. I'm not saying they can't compete in those games. I think they can, but they've got to get more production from guys outside of their starting five. Yeah, it's it, it, I, maybe, maybe. They were thin last year, too. I, I don't know how deep they've got to be, but you can't afford injury is the problem there. I mean, we've seen really good teams run six-man rotations. KU's done it historically. K-State kind of did it last year. They really didn't have a ton of depth last year either. I think you can do it, but... You know, for the development of some of these young players, that's why I want to see it. But they're not getting minutes, Tommy. Like the outside, so Finister had 22 minutes as your sixth man, basically, and played you know pretty close to starter minutes. Outside of that, the rest of their team had like 19 or 20 combined or something like that. Like it's not much, and Ames isn't giving them much right now. So I, I think I don't know how concerned I am by it. I, what I wonder is, if you had to plug one of the bench guys into the starting lineup, could they be as productive as the five we're seeing now? I don't know the answer to that. Maybe they could. If they can't, then yes, it's a big problem. But if it's just that whatever they're doing gives the starters these opportunities, I, I don't know the answer to that. And hopefully we don't have to find out because it would mean an injury. Are you with me that Tyler Perry feels like year two of Tyson Etienne at Wichita State? Like, I don't know... I can't figure out what's happening, and it's it feels to me so much like it did that year. Like, it doesn't make sense that that good of a shooter just doesn't hit any shots anymore. And so that's, that's what I feel like with Tyler Perry, right? And he's shooting through it, and he's going to have to keep doing it, I think. Uh, you know, but one for eight's about all you can stomach, I think, if you're the Wildcats. Like, you can't you, – you can shoot through it to some degree, but you can't let it cripple you. And we saw – at Wichita State, when Tyson Etienne struggled in that second year, it really crippled that team. K-State right now isn't letting this cripple them. What they expected, which was Tyler Perry to be a shot maker, that hasn't crippled them yet. And so, like, on one hand, I'm like, yeah, shoot through it. But on the other, I'm like, or 
just keep doing what you're doing and winning games and and don't, right? Like, I, I don't know. That's going to be an interesting balance to see how much leash they continue to give Perry to shoot through it before they say, you know what? We're done with that. Like, let's refocus and do something else now. There are a couple of differences. One major difference is that this is Tyler Perry's first season with the program, and he shot the ball really well at North Texas. That's what he was known for. Yeah. But you're going from a program at North Texas with a coach in Grant McCasland that, you know, is now at Texas Tech and all of that. But it's it's less it's it's not as high profile as where he's at right now in Manhattan. Not that Kansas State is under the bright lights all the time, but you do have more pressure on you in a Big 12 program playing against the, the programs in that conference as opposed to being at North Texas. So there was probably a little bit more freedom for Tyler Perry to shoot through it at North Texas, there was probably a little bit more, uh, you know, a, re- a relaxed nature uh, as opposed to where he's at right now in Manhattan. I think another difference is that, and, and I don't exactly remember. I mean, I, I have, I do have some memories of that second year with Tyson Etienne, but it seems to me, and correct me if I'm wrong, but it seems to me that when the, when Tyson Etienne was going through that, he was the focal point of the offense for the Shockers at that point. Right, like he was the one hundred percent. That's not like that's no not question the way. about it. That's not the way that it is for Tyler Perry. There are other weapons, but that's what they that, thought it was. That's going what they to thought be. it was going to be. But you know, right. remember Wichita State didn't have anybody else to fall back on who could make up for it. Where Tyler Perry, you've got Arthur Kaluma, you've got Cam Carter. Uh, you know, even to an extent, you've got David Gasson and Will McNair. There are other players that can help pick up that slack. Where with Tyson Etienne, there was more and more pressure that was dumped on his shoulders because there was nobody else who could pick up for it. You know, there was nobody else yeah. who could make up for it. It was Tyson Etienne or bust that year. So there are some differences there, but I do agree with you. The similarities are that the expectation versus what you're getting in the production, they're not lining up. Yeah, it, it's it's very um, – it, it's just I, – I don't know. The, the problem when it was Etienne is they didn't ever adjust, right? They, there was never – They didn't have the personnel to be able to do anything else with. Well, they didn't want – they didn't try. Like that, I think yeah. – and that was an issue that, that a lot of fans had, right, is the, is the leash was too long there, and they never – they just never would um, – veer from that plan and what it was. So now, and that's, I guess my point in this is we're seeing K-State not do that, right? We're seeing them in this situation just deal with it. And so I, I, I think in that regard, this is, this is what it, it's, it's working. It's, it's, well, it's trying to work. So, can that continue, right? Can they continue? And I think that they can. Or do they need to keep letting Perry go like this? And how much better can they be if they stop letting him shoot and miss this often? And that, and and I I would suspect that they'll keep letting him shoot because they know how much higher their ceiling goes if he's a great shooter. And and like Tyson Etienne to his, like his his confidence never waned and I give him credit for that and this is not a knock on Tyson Etienne at all I thought his attitude and his confidence through that remained strong it was a hard thing for fans to swallow though cuz they just kept seeing him shoot and miss but the reality was like the ceiling's much higher if he is doing that so it was a tough balance K-State faces some of that same challenge now like we're, but except they're winning right except they're except they're doing that they, but 
it does beg the question, like, how much better could this team be if he starts to shoot well versus at what point do you say, okay, that's enough. Let's do something else now and see if we can get. So I don't know what the answer to that is. You mentioned that they're thin. I, I agree that they're thin. And and I don't and have, you, you know, you talked about the six-man rotation that you've seen other teams implement, and I agree with you. There are teams that have had a ton of success with really, really tight rotations. My issue with it is that you don't have depth when Tyler Perry is not shooting the ball well. So you really have nowhere else to go. If, if he's able to right work now, his way but right not... now, if he's able to work his way through it, I've got a lot less of an issue with the limited minutes and the limited production from the bench. But if he can't work his way through it, and this is what we're going to get throughout conference play, you'd love to have a little bit of a, uh, you know, maybe another option to go to. And maybe well, but him... don't you? But don't you get another option if you give somebody else the opportunity you do, to take those but shots? But I'm saying like there might be some times where Tyler Perry just he might need to sit for a while. But you don't have the luxury to bring anybody really else in that you feel confident in because the bench just isn't there. So I think that there are concerns with that. I've got no issue with a tight rotation if Tyler Perry can work his way through this funk. Yeah, I guess I don't either because they're winning games. But let's see what happens when they play a tough team. Or let's just see Tyler Perry hit these shots. It's not just a t- I mean, we're seeing this with Nick Timberlake at KU, right? We see- One thing that I think is sort of a theme is a lot of the transfer players, for whatever reason, I don't know if it's environment, what it is, the shot makers that are doing this, I mean, I'll- and then we see Kreisa, he-, he was making shots last night. So maybe it's just time. I hope it's just time. Because I'm going to tell you, if Tyler Perry becomes the kind of scorer he was at North Texas and you add that into what we're seeing, I kind of like K-State to maybe be better than that middle-of-the-pack ceiling. Maybe they're top-end type good. Maybe they're top-five type good. Long way to go, and they've certainly had an advantageous schedule to open conference play. So don't want to you know, make too much of two games they should win going and getting them. We'll get into KU's game tonight in just a little bit. Uh, more on the NFL coaching search when we come back. Mike Vrabel is now a candidate for a job. He'll find one, I would imagine, very quickly. We'll dig into that curious situation in Tennessee. Uh, we'll give away some HTO coffee as we make our way through. And we'll, of course, continue to talk Chiefs football as they get ready for their playoff opener. By the way, can't get enough Chiefs coverage? You can check out the New Heights podcast with Jason and Travis Kelsey. It's free on the Odyssey app. Follow it on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast. Tommy and I will be back. What in the world is Tennessee thinking? That's next on Sports Daily. Welcome back in, everybody. Sports Daily here on KFH. Glad to be with you on this Wednesday edition. Uh, All right. So we had a really, really strange situation, at least to me in Tennessee, with Mike Vrabel. So Mike Vrabel, like, as I'm, like, evaluating coaches in the NFL, and we've talked about this before. That's why this caught me so off guard. And, And maybe it shouldn't have as I read between the lines now and what's been going on there for a few years, but I would consider Vrabel a top five coach in the league probably at this point based on what he's done with the quarterbacks he's had to work with. He's not a player personnel guy. So 
remember that Tennessee is like shocking the world by being the one seed and doing all they're doing and, you know, Ryan Tannehill at quarterback and all these things. And then all of a sudden, one off season, they decide to trade A.J. Brown in one of the real head scratching moves that I can ever remember a young wide receiver like coming into their prime. And then they don't really do much for the roster. They they have two bad years. Just so happens to come when they traded one of their best players and one of the best players in the NFL, of which Vrabel was not happy. He was hot when that happened. And so now that, you know, he had nothing to do with that decision and they fire him. And, you know, their owner, she was a little bit spicy. Like, clearly there's this disconnect between Vrabel and the organization. But, like, Vrabel didn't have a whole lot to do with. And I would just ask you this. Even with the record, would you say that Tennessee overachieved or underachieved the last two years? Because I would still say they overachieved. They like, over, Tennessee yeah. was—they were always dangerous when they should have been terrible. Even, you know, even as they lose games. But— now I'm sitting here looking at this coaching carousel, and I'm like, hang on a minute. Mike Vrabel's on the market? Like, he should be everybody's top. I would take Vrabel over Harbaugh. You would take Vrabel over Harbaugh? I would. I mean, I would probably take Harbaugh over Vrabel, but I think Vrabel is, is up there. I mean, I think he's, man, depending on what happens with Bill Belichick and if he still wants to coach, I mean, you've got Vrabel, you've got Belichick, you've got Harbaugh. Like, those are the, the key guys. I would take Vrabel right now. I, I like Mike Vrabel a lot, and I agree with you. They have overachieved the last couple of seasons. You know how, I think we had talked about it yesterday, about, and, and I think it was in reference to Harbaugh, that if there are teams that are on the fence about whether or not they want to make a move with their coach, as soon as Harbaugh says he's available, then at that point that might push some teams over the edge to make a change. I think the exact same thing happens now with Mike Vrabel, there are probably a handful of teams out there that are on the fence about whether or not they want to make a change, and they weren't sure. And now that Vrabel is available, they might go ahead and make that change to try to get Vrabel in their organization. And then the reports yesterday that Mike Tomlin might be stepping away at the end. That that so for me, and Vrabel's always reminded me of Tomlin, and that's why I would I would take Vrabel if Tomlin became available. I would take Tom. But those two guys have this unique ability to connect with their players. And that's, that's, you cannot, that is the hardest thing to find. And I don't think Vrabel, like if you pair him with like a brilliant young offensive coach at coordinator, he's not going to like contend with that. But he, you know, like I, I don't mind defensive coaches, by the way. Like I'm not in the camp of, well, you have to hire a young offensive mind. Like I think that's a fine path and it depends largely on your roster. But I'm totally fine with guys like Vrabel and Tomlin, who clearly connect with players, who are ex-players at a high level, especially with Vrabel's scenario. Now you may have the New England job come open, and it may be as simple as that, right? Like, it may be simply this match made in heaven yeah. of, you know, the Patriots moving on and just bringing Vrabel in there. That that makes all the sense in the world as everybody's drawing those conclusions. I totally get that. Um, I just can't believe it. And And, like, if I'm one of these other teams now, I just, like, you know, I've seen the Raiders mentioned because Tom Brady has some connections there. Okay, that that might make some sense. Uh, the Chargers, if you're Vrabel, might make some sense because you've dealt with quarterback chaos basically your entire time as a head coach and you've won despite it. What if you just go walk into, you know, uh, Herbert? If you're the Bears and you're trying to decide what you do, does Vrabel become an option there? 
Like there, there are because you're you know you you're gonna you're gonna take your swing at whatever it is. You know you've got an ascending defense and a, and a decently talented. Like there are some really interesting things happening right now, and Vrabel to me makes it the most interesting because I think. He again. I, I'd put him ahead. The only reason I'd put him ahead of Harbaugh because Harbaugh's track record's incredible. Is that Harbaugh seems a little wishy washy on what to, what he wants to do, right? Like, are you really all in on being an NFL coach again, or is Michigan going to struggle for four years and then talked back into coming back to? Like, are we all in on this or not? Vrabel's all in, obviously. So that that's the that's that's probably the only reason I would say, you know, Vrabel over Harbaugh. Plus, Vrabel just like. I, I, I don't know. That hard-nosed football coach is making a comeback to some degree. Like, look at Dan Campbell. It's not like you don't have to be a jerk, but you do. Like, I, I and I think we see this, like, of the generation of these young people. Everyone thinks, like, oh, they're so soft. And I'm like, I don't think they're soft. I think they need to be motivated in a different way. But I think they're starved to be motivated in that way. And I think great coaches like Vrabel do that. Clearly, Harbaugh does, too, or he wouldn't have the success in college that he has. But guys like Mike Tomlin have been able to do that. Andy Reid has been able to do that. And everyone thinks – nobody thinks of Andy Reid as a hard-nosed coach. Andy Reid is hard on those guys. Listen to Patrick Mahomes yesterday talk about why the Chiefs – have found success over the years in cold weather, it's because Andy Reid makes them practice in the cold. And if they go indoors, he makes it cold in there. He opens it up. Like, and, and Mahomes said yesterday, like, practice in this weather is much harder than the games are. Ma, you know, Reid is a hard-nosed coach, but players still love him. And so, like, there is a fine line here between being a jerk that nobody likes, Josh McDaniels, maybe Eric Bieniemy, who knows on that, uh, whatever, and being demanding and and not being afraid, you know, as my dad would say, to tell a cow how, you know, how a cow ate the cabbage. Like, I think there's a difference. And Vrabel just has that, right? He That's the, I, to me, that's his greatest attribute as a coach. And I'm sure he's a great, you know, strategic coach too. I'm not smart enough to know that stuff. But I just know players respond to him well. So let me tell you why on the surface, it does make sense that Vrabel would go to New England but why I'm not sure that that's actually going to happen. And a lot of that is because of what you just said about how he's a hard-nosed coach and about how he believes the power structure should be in an NFL organization. And the reason why I think he believes it is because look at the guys that he's played for, coached under, all of that. Bill Belichick, Urban Meyer, you know, there's a couple of others. Those guys, they have always believed that the head coach is the central power figure for an NFL organization. Vrabel came up from that, and I would imagine that that's the way that Vrabel has wanted to run the organization in Tennessee. There's a new general manager there, and I would imagine that those guys butted heads a lot because Vrabel thought that he should be the main guy. Right or wrong, that's just what he thought. And the reason why, let me, let me tell you why I don't think it's going to happen in New England if Belichick leaves. The reporting has been that Robert Kraft wants his team back. And so I'm not sure that even though Vrabel has a connection to the franchise, a connection with Belichick, all of that, and it would make sense for him to take over for Belichick, with the thought that Kraft maybe wants his team back, he might want to go a different direction and not bring in a coach that wants to be the central figure in that front office. I just, I don't think Vrabel is trying to be an executive and a coach. I think he's just trying to be a coach, but that wants input. Like 
I, I I laugh because I'm just picturing how many times Vrabel probably brings up the AJ Brown trade to the person who made it, despite every effort from like I I think there's a difference in being the executive that has to make personnel decisions and and going against your head coach so obviously in what he wants to do, like. At some point, you do have to value what the coach has to say. The, in Kansas City, has one of the best working relationships we see in the NFL between Reed and Veach and Clark Hunt. And look, having Patrick Mahomes helps that situation. But they do seem in lockstep most of the time. You do have to have that. And that's why Vrabel's not in Tennessee anymore, by the way, because he clearly was not in lockstep. But I don't think he's sitting here saying, I need final say in everything. I don't think he wants that. I don't think he's equipped for that. Maybe he does. I could be totally wrong. I've never talked to the guy. Either. I mean, I don't know. I don't think he does either. But, I mean, again, look at the guys that he has been affiliated with over the course of his career. Those were coaches that they commanded the room. They were, even if they weren't the ones making the decisions, they were always either given input or they were involved. I mean, in the case of Belichick, I mean, he has basically been the de facto general manager for 20-some years in New England. All the player personnel decisions ran through him. And so, I mean, clearly, this was an issue where the ownership of the Titans hired a new general manager, and then the general manager won the power struggle. That's basically all it is. I think it's a bad move for Tennessee. I think they're going to be regretting this move maybe as soon as this next season. I don't know who right now would you know necessarily want to go in and coach that team. They'll find somebody, but I think they've set themselves up for you know, some years of, of tough times ahead for them. I think that Vrabel is going to want to be in a situation where he's not going to have to battle another front office executive, where even if he's not the one that's making the decisions, he is valued enough to where his input is valued. He's brought in to these decisions and he doesn't have to battle for power. And I'm not sure that's going to be the case in New England if Bill Belichick leaves. Because Robert Kraft is going to hire a general manager. He's not going to give it to the coach. And I don't know if that's going to be – there's probably going to be a power struggle there between the general manager and whoever the coach is. Yeah, the the issue for me with the Patriots is what you brought. They're just not very good. So if Rabel becomes a top candidate, like I think he will – it's strictly like nostalgia that you go to New England because of all the openings we have right now – the the roster of the Patriots is probably the worst of them. Like I, that would be if I had to pick one, that would be the last place I would pick because they don't have they're just not that good. And I don't and in that division with Buffalo there established, Miami ascending, and the Jets potentially getting Aaron Rodgers back. Like I, I'm not New England is a death sentence to me for a coach. Whoever their next coach is will not be their coach in five years. If I had to make a guess right now, that would be the last place I would go. So it would have to be like nostalgia that brings Vrabel back there. I, I mean, I don't know because it would have to be a promise at, from Robert Kraft that he will that Vrabel will be the guy to be able to you know make a lot right. of these decisions. I'm not sure. Well, but Robert even if Kraft you make the right that. ones, you're not going to be good enough. It's almost got to be more of a promise of like we're going to give you like we know when we understand we don't want to be bad. But we're not also going to bring you in here to be bad for two years and then move on because the roster's not any good, which happens. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. 
plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Happens all the time in the NFL. Yeah, but right? I don't know so, if it's going to take that long. I mean, I think it might take a year or two to rebuild mm, it. I don't think it's... Boy, look, I do. Look at the Texans, for example. They completely rebuilt that organization. But they had all that draft capital I get to work it. with. But, I mean, they turned it on a dime, and all of a sudden they're in the playoffs. And nobody thought they would be there. I mean, it, this is... I don't think this has to be a four- or five-year rebuild. I'm thinking more like a year or two. And if anybody can get them turned around from a coaching pedigree standpoint, Mike Vrabel can do that. I just think it's going to take some concessions from Robert Kraft to get Vrabel to feel comfortable going there. So I, I think there's a – the Texans play in a terrible division and nailed their quarterback. Nailing the quarterback is hard enough, and the Patriots could do that, but they still play in a division with Buffalo, Miami, and the Jets. Like, I think their road is long. I think it's I think it's going to take a minute for the and, – and it's hard for us to say because it just hasn't happened over the last two and a half decades – but I don't, I don't see, like, their light. When you look at the other jobs in the league, Chargers, light at the end of the tunnel, certainly. Commanders, talented-ish, except they traded it a lot away. But for the most part, outside of quarterback, okay. Raiders, I think better than the Patriots, but not ideal, and Steelers are fine. So, I, I you know, of the openings, we and Panthers, no. Like, the Falcons, Panthers. The Atlanta only, has a lot of talent. That, that should I, be a pretty attractive job. Yeah, I think Atlanta or, or the Chargers right now is the most attractive job to me. Like, those are the two jobs I'd want the most, I think. Uh, maybe the Falcons take the advantage because they do have ownership that really is committed to winning. Really committed to winning. So, I will. it is going to be fascinating. And now there are probably going to be more openings, like you said, because Vrabel's on the market. We'll see. Uh, and if Harbaugh comes up, it's going to be a fun one, this coaching carousel, because there are really good coaches that are going to be looking for jobs. 869-1240 on that IHOP hotline if you want to chime in. Uh, we'll come back. We'll begin to – let's talk – let's preview the KU game tonight just a little bit. We'll get into the Chiefs and more on what they had to say yesterday uh, as we move forward. A lot of injury news to get through as well as we make our way through this midweek edition of Sports Daily. All right, welcome back, everybody, here to Sports Daily. Uh, if you miss anything on the show, you can listen for free, by the way. Podcast version on the Odyssey app. Make sure you check that out. All right, uh, Tommy, it's college basketball tonight again. It's KU this time around for us. They get their first road test. Uh, it's a game that they should win. UCF did not get off to a good start. K-State beat them badly in the opener. They get to come back home. 
KU gets to go there. I kind of like KU in this spot. What is the line? Seven and a half, I think it is. I kind of I like that for KU tonight. I mean, they they ought to be able to go to Florida and beat UCF by seven and a half points, don't you think? Well, I mean, you know, UCF lost by, what, 25 to Kansas State? That's uh, what I'm saying. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, I think that that is well within reach. It's the same thing for the Jayhawks that it always has been. They've got to make their shots. You know, they've got to get out to a good start shooting the basketball. And that's one thing they haven't really been able to do a whole lot of this season. Um, and so they struggled with that against TCU for a while in the game last weekend, you know, although ultimately came back and won the game. But it wasn't a particularly great shooting uh, outside shooting game for the Jayhawks. They leaned a ton on Hunter Dickinson. That's going to be the narrative. That's the way that it's going to be for the Jayhawks, leaning on Dickinson, leaning on McCuller. Um, but I think that against a team like UCF, you've got to have more assertiveness from Dewan Harris to shoot the basketball. Uh, he finally did it in the second half against TCU, but I, I feel like a broken record saying that. We say it all We've the time. We've been saying that for three years. It yeah. just hasn't happened to this point. I don't think they'll have a ton of issues with UCF, but man, like that, just generally speaking with the Jayhawks, that's really got to be the way that they look at things. So UCF piled up a lot of wins in the non-con. They have losses to Stetson, uh, Ole Miss. That was a close game. K-State, we mentioned in Miami early in the year. They don't really have a good win of those wins they piled up. FIU, Cal State Fullerton, South Dakota State in a very close game. Charlotte in an overtime game. Lipscomb, Jacksonville, Maine, Florida A&M, and Bethune-Cookman. They scheduled soft, Tommy. I, I, I think this is a pretty big spot for KU to flex. We saw what happened against K-State. That's fine. But I'm pretty surprised by this line based on the fact that if you look at the body of work, UCF, yeah, they've got wins, but, boy, they have played nobody. And the teams that they have played, they've lost to. I, I like KU here tonight. I think KU could sort of establish themselves a little bit. You know, the TCU game was tight. I, I TCU is going to be one of the top teams in this league. UCF is not. UCF will finish near the bottom of the Big 12, if, if not at the bottom of the Big 12 this year. I think this is a place where KU, even though it's on the road, even though it's a conference game, all of those things, if they're going to be that kind of team this year, this is the kind of game you need to go just let everybody know that you're that kind of team. Yeah, I think that with UCF, their biggest issue when they played the Wildcats over the weekend was their lack of outside shooting. Uh, UCF was 5 of 21 shooting from three against the Wildcats on Saturday. You would expect, I think, back home that they'll do a little bit better than that. I mean, that yeah. was real, that's really bad, right, with the way they shot in Manhattan. So you would think going back home, they might be better than 5 of 21 tonight. Um, but I mean, I just don't think they have the firepower to keep up with the Jayhawks. I'm with you. I like that seven and a half number, but again, it's going to come down to how much do the Jayhawks have to lean on Dickinson? I, I think you're right in the beginning, like Dewan Harris, like if this is not going to be a great shooting team, be a bigger part of the offense, Yeah. right? Be a, not just a creator, but you know, finish some of those drives. And by the way, against TCU, K.J. Adams was spectacular. And so continuing him, you know, having him follow that up with another great game against UCF, you know, I think everybody, they focus on Dickinson for good reason. 
and that just allows K.J. Adams to feast. And that's going to be another recipe for success for Kansas. Yeah. They're, they're, those two are their focal points. We we thought that, even though Kevin McCullough is the best player on the floor probably, those two, I think, open things up for the entire offense. McCullough is almost like a crutch, like a safety net. Like, oh, we can't get anything going. McCullough, go create something for us, please. But, I, you know, I, I agree with you. I agree with you on Adams. Love Adams as a player. Uh, we'll see. That game tips tonight at, uh, I think it's a 6 o'clock tip, isn't it? It is a, uh, it is a uh, yeah. Yeah, six o'clock tip. All right, ESPN Plus. By the way, okay, we'll come back. Uh, we're gonna, I'm going to take you through some of the audio yesterday from the Chiefs presser. A couple of interesting storylines there. Uh, so we'll get into that in the second hour. We'll give away some HTO. Keep your finger on the IHOP hotline. We'll come back. Hour number two of Sports Daily next. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network, from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one... They're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. 